right. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Angel Nears, a Silicon Valley community that brings startup builders together with experienced operators, and we share key insights on how to build and scale startups. I'm your host, Ole Kujikov, and our guest today is Jay Fang, a co-founder and CEO of Kells, which provides accessible, high-quality dental screening through a combination of clinicians and AI. Today, we're talking with Jay about improving access and quality of oral healthcare by bringing AI into dentists' workflows, uh, particularly when finding cavities. Uh, but before we get into those topics, Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, we're excited to have you and learn some more about you. Typically, we sort of start these interviews with a just kind of a get to know you uh, with the guest. So let's get started with you. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started in tech. Sure. Um, so I, when I was uh, when I was in high school, I think that was the first time I got into computers. I was obsessed uh, about you know video games, and I want to know how it was built. Um, and I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And the one thing led to another. I started pursuing you know college and computer science. Um, really started working on. Uh, artificial intelligence, computer vision during my master's. That was about, you know, seven, eight, or even like 10 years ago. Um, and uh, it was fascinating to kind of see the ability to put a computer uh, to do things that like a human being to understand these data. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I came to U.S. Uh, around 2012 to pursue my PhD in computer vision at Columbia University. Um, and uh, I, you know, focus on developing algorithms to understand images and 3D data uh, about the environment, right? Um, and uh, um, I was probably a little bit early on the curve in terms of leveraging both the color images and depth images to really uh, perceive the environment like human did. And, um, but what's interesting in that experience is that um, I came to realize that um, technology innovation is oftentimes in the silo that, you know, it was, it was kind of developed uh, in ideal situation that people think, you know, we're just pursuing technology for the sake of pursuing that. But uh, my experience during the PhD by interacting with, you know, business school uh, students, uh, developing startup programs really t- gave me that incentive that, hey, you know, you should uh, bridge the gap between the, the advanced technology and the problem in the real world. So I had opportunity and, uh, you know, uh, really appreciate those moments that I get to t- talk to people outside of my circle and uh, developing products and, uh, you know, applications that uh, really address uh, real-world problems like how to prevent injuries when you're doing exercise. And that's funny because um, when we were doing that, we got invited to Y Combinator, and I have no idea what that is at that time. But uh, obviously, you know, the president of YC at that time enjoyed the demo we gave to him and uh, we, we hop on the red eye, go to California. That's, that was my first touch there. And just changed my mindset about, hey, um, you know, how technology can influence a large scale population if you actually turn into a business. So from there, I kind of step on to this journey to build startups. Um, 
you know, of course, I, I, I was also working at a few Silicon Valley tech companies like Google, Amazon, which taught me a lot about how big companies think about innovations, how they uh, leverage their resource to build, um, you know, different different kind of products and launch the market. So those experience uh, benefit me when I uh, doing what I'm doing right now. So we're going to talk about dental. Can you tell us how you got like introduced to the the dental world? I was naturally fascinated about health tech, right? Like think about what is the most impactful areas for human beings. Um, I think about, you know, how to prevent disease, uh, how to identify problems early. And um, I, I was introduced to my current partner, uh, Kevin, uh, by a friend. Uh, Kevin was working on the dental service organization in New York. And he was talking about how, you know, labor intensive or how difficult for dentists to go through tons of x-rays to identify problems. And for example, cavities and other issues. And these are uh, not that easy, even for the most experienced dentist. And uh, that kind of light up uh, kind of an idea in my head, like why don't we have AI to help with that? Uh, because at that point, we're already seeing promising results of deploying AI to other health care areas like medical, right? Um, and, uh, but not, nobody is doing dental. So we start to brainstorming ideas and, you know, what is the first prototype we can build? And that's where we started. And I will tell more about like how we position what we do now, which is not typically in the, in the dental office setup. Uh, there's a there's a kind of a inspiration uh, to bring that closer to the patient directly. Let's put a pin in it. Let's talk about like the the dental industry real quick, and then we'll we'll get into to keep a little bit more in detail. In 2021, so a little bit about the market, the global dental the global dental services market grew about 19 percent, reaching 435 billion dollars, with North America accounting for. 35% of that growth. The market consists of sales of dental services and related dental services goods. Can you speak to kind of the main challenges today that are in the dental industry? Yeah, so it's interesting you share those numbers. Um, dental industry is very deep and wide uh, in terms of you know the service it provides. Um, regardless uh, of all the development the capital put in, Cavities and gum disease are still the most prevalent disease in the world, affecting everyone, right? And uh, so when we think about challenges, I think the first thing is dental, especially in the U.S., is always perceived as a separation from other parts of the healthcare system. And uh, if you look at the coverage on insurance, uh, not everyone has access to dental insurance. In fact, you know, one out of four people in the U.S. are lacking insurance access. And uh, the, the kind of a perception awareness about, you know, your oral health is not part of your whole body health is, is, a, ver is a kind of a mental challenge for people to think about that. Uh, and that's from like a higher level. But if you think about the care delivery system, um, I think one of the things is that there's no uh, 
equivalent like scientific measure about dental care quality, right? So if you go to, you know, it's a famous thing, like if you take this the same set of x-rays and you go see 10 different dentists, you're going to get 11 different answers, right, about treatments and the problem. So um, because of that, I think patients are naturally uh, having these kind of concerns or fears about going to a random dentist and doesn't know what to expect uh, because of inconsistency. And that leads to a lot of, you know, issues for people to access uh, dental care because they, you know, either they don't have the trust of the dentist, they don't have... Uh, you know, just kind of nearby access because they live in the place that no dental office is available. Uh, or in general, they just don't like people drilling in their mouths, right? That's part of the nature of the of the industry. So um, I, I do think, you know, I'm obviously talking more from the patient perspective, uh, but I think uh, they are, they should be the center of the industry and it's not built that way right now. You said something interesting. Why can you speak? Maybe this isn't for this podcast, but why do you think we treat dental health differently than uh, the rest of the body? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, just personally speaking, I feel like dental health is not um, as life threatening as other medical conditions, right? If you think about um, you know, okay, so you have some problem in your teeth and I'm going to do a filling or I can uh, take it out, even extract it. Uh, it it's not like you're going to uh, lose blood or anything. It's just like you miss a tooth and put a, put a fake one on it and you can still do what you need to do. Um, and uh, I, I feel like, you know, there's a little bit kind of under understatement on, you know, how important dental care is. Um, but also how the system is built to reimburse for those things because it's very much fee-for-service, right? So, uh, you know, for uh, for people to access, they, they just, you know, it's not linked to, like, your uh, chronic disease uh, or something. But actually, they have a deep connection to that. So if people are not acknowledging that so that they would just like, oh, you know, you have diabetes, so I just need to treat diabetes. But a lot of the times, the cause for the diabetes could come from oral health. You know, you have a poor hygiene, you have inflammations. And uh, I think those connections are lacking here so that, uh, in general, people just separate in the mouth, uh, in their mind, and in the, how the system is implemented. So let's talk about technology. The dental industry has been uh, slow to embrace technology. I think... I don't know if it's slower than, than other healthcare areas, but uh, in general, I think healthcare is kind of slow and um, careful to embrace technology because people's mm -hmm. lives are on the line. What are the key reasons for that? Maybe I just gave, gave, a, gave an answer, but what, what do you think the key reasons are that uh, maybe dental has been slow to embrace tech? I think, uh, you know, first thing is that dental as healthcare in general is very fragmented, right? So um, I think I, I, the number I saw is in America, uh, probably like 30% of them are aggregated or, or, you know, as a DSO or practice group. And the 70% of that are still individual offices. So when you think about such a mar fragmented market, to be able to deploy 
new technology to all these territories will take a lot of time and that you will deal with very noisy kind of um, customers uh, in a different level of acceptance. Um, and the, particularly for dental, I think, um, you know, it, it requires, there's a lot of like, when, when you think about new offices being built, there's a lot of debt for the students. And uh, for them to justify investment on certain technology, um, they need to see a consistent returns on that, right? So if you're thinking about like AI or other, other technology, they have to see like, okay, it actually gives me a clear ROI that can get my money back. And uh, oftentimes it's not that clear. Um, and uh, this is something, you know, it requires the whole industry to work uh, to make it more mature. Um, and the third part I would say is the kind of um, implementation in terms of integrating uh, into the current workflow. And uh, dental software or hardware are very uh, kind of uh, scattered, right? Every dental office you think about, it, it's, it's a silo by itself. So uh, everyone can have a different workflow to be able to develop something and say, you know, it's, it's a generic or general scalable uh, product, you have to deal with all kinds of software, hardware. And that's not something easy to do. Uh, also considering a lot of the legacy systems are closed platform, which means they may not have the modern API or, you know, kind of a plug and play approach for you to integrate. So I think these are some of the kind of things I, I, I personally have witnessed and I think uh, we'll probably continue be like that in, in the next few years and maybe even longer. So many startups have emerged uh, in the last decade to kind of assist payers and providers in automating some of the traditionally manual parts of the business. Can you talk about some of those areas that uh, startups are starting to address and automate? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I, I think, you know, first of all, I think it's a very vibrant market um, that... A lot of innovation has happened. Uh, a lot of work has put in. Uh, most of work are focusing on like, you know, in the office side, the administrative work like scheduling appointments, uh, run analysis uh, to identify, you know, revenue opportunities, uh, your throughput, right, on the operation side. Uh, from the pay year, obviously, the big, big part is a claim adjudication and review, uh, detecting fraud, uh, how to kind of speed up the reimbursement cycles. Um, these are great applications for a technology like AI. Uh, and when we talk about provider side, uh, as I mentioned before, how to improve the consistency in diagnosis and treatment planning, especially for the multi-office providers, uh, that's actually pretty important. Uh, and with them hiring more and more kind of fresh out of school uh, dentist, uh, it becomes more apparent that they can be assisted by technology to improve that baseline quality. Um, and also, you know, lastly, I think, you know, how to improve the patient trust, as we just discussed. Um, if you, if you just like, have a dentist talk to it, uh, some people may not believe, right? They would wonder, is that actually correct or true? Or just, you just want to oversell me something. Um, but with technology, you can kind of build that trust and uh, provide more evidence uh, to communicate with the patient. Let's move on to Kells. I feel like we've 
discuss the market. Uh, it, you seem to understand it very well. Uh, let's talk about what Kells is doing. Can you give me the elevator pitch for Kells? Yeah, Kells, um, Kells is the first step to access dental care for better oral health. Uh, how we do that is we provide the first on-demand oral screening powered by AI. Um, it's, it's a two-step process, very simple. First, there's a five to 10 minutes in-person uh, data capture, followed by a remote evaluation uh, asynchronously to generate a personal oral health report um, that you can access from your phone or any device to see a very rich and interactive experience about your potential dental conditions or suggested treatments, cost estimates, and more. Can you talk about um, how the data is captured? Yeah, so right now we're doing a uh, x-ray uh, capture process with a portable sensors. Uh, followed by a photo, like intraoral photos, right? So uh, the, the, the idea is that we want to get closer to what you will get from a clinical office, but without you having to access that, right? Without you having to travel and make appointments to that. So uh, we, we normally capture like four, uh, four to six checkup x-rays on your bi wings and, per, uh, and uh, periapicals. Uh, and uh, four standard intraoral photos to just cover uh, your whole area of the mouse. And does the technology does it does it point? So does it actually determine what treatments are needed, or is it to sort of point at a problem and you know uh, identify it for the dentist? Yeah. So we we first will surface like what problem you have, like you know kind of cavities. Um, your periodontal disease, and we go further, like by kind of categorizing, for example, if it's cavity, what stage uh, is that cavity, right? And uh, you know what kind of uh, uh, what kind of existing treatments you have got, restorations, root canals, you have got, because those are indications about uh, you know what kind of treatment might be uh, suitable for you. And then we do have a. Uh, recommendation system to propose treatments based on those conditions um, and uh, right now we are uh, having a dentist to review uh, what whatever the AI surfaced before delivering to the patients to make sure that these are uh, you know correct uh, based on human experts um, and uh, this is actually a good combination both from the speed side and the quality side and do you need to get regulatory clearance from maybe the FDA to run your business? Um, so because the nature of the service is to do screening, so we're not actually making decisions to say, hey, you actually have a cavity because we cannot check in person. Um, I think naturally we, uh, we have a lower kind of a requirements for those clearance. Um, we do have an RRB clearance so that we can use our technology as investigational device uh, alongside a dentist. Uh, and uh, our goal is to actually, uh, you know, kind of get this cleared as an automated device, uh, hopefully, you know, even without the dentist being involved. Let's talk about, you know, how the company was started. What was the insight or aha moment that kind of led to starting Kells? 
Yeah, it's funny. Um, I I think there's not a. It's not like a single moment actually triggers the idea, but more like it kind of start to make sense when you think about uh, different pieces, right? And uh, I think when I grew up, uh, I have very limited understanding or even access to dental care just because uh, you know nobody's telling me that, and uh, I always feel like. Um, you know, I only go to see the dentist because I have a broken tooth, right? Or something's really bad happening. And, uh, um, but when I kind of start to get into uh, the industry to learn more about it, I feel like the prevention, the preventive angle is really critical. And there's not enough voices or enough kind of a, a work that being put into there. It's mostly driven by treatments. Right, it's all about drilling in your mouth, and uh, at that point, you know, um, and and obviously, you know, when you go to uh, visit a dentist, uh, they don't necessarily spend a lot of time talking to you about what kind of conditions might hurt you in the future, or you know, uh, kind of a, they sometimes also miss things. So all these come up. I feel like you know that just leaves the patients very underserved, right? When I say underserved. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean like, hey, you don't have uh, the funding or the, the money to access dental care. It's more about like, it's not that convenient or it's not that trustworthy to get the care you deserve. So um, so I think especially uh, with the COVID, uh, we witnessed that people are naturally much more aware of, of the importance of healthcare, personal care, and they want easy access to it. And that led to uh, our current proposition, like we want to bring um, high quality dental care uh, to the people, uh, not just to look at it inside the office scenario, but like, you know, how do we make it democratized so that anyone, regardless of their background or their, you know, kind of a race, right? It's actually a quite interesting um, factor that affecting people access healthcare how do they get equal access to the same quality of care that's important to them? So that's kind of what we, that kind of what, what's motivating us to do uh, Kels. Talk about the people. You already mentioned your co-founder. Who are you going on this journey with? Who are the people behind Kels? Yeah, um, so the founding team is three people from a very different background. And... Uh, uh, me, obviously, from in, uh, technology and in, innovation side, uh, my COO, Kevin Duffy, uh, came from finance background, uh, was, uh, was also a, a COO at one of the largest dental service organizations in New York. Um, and um, our clinical expert is a veteran dentist with over 30 years experience practicing and also a clinical kind of educational uh, voice in the community talking about the, the kind of, you know, the best practice or best way to educate patients or protocols used in the, in the office. And uh, uh, we feel like this is a very complimentary team. When we first got together in the dinner, it just hit along very well that everyone has something to bring to the table to make changes to the industry. Um, so I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate to, to meet my partners. 
Okay, and how about timing? Uh, timing is so crucial for successfully launching, growing a startup. So why is now the right timing for your company? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting by just kind of, you know, like you mentioned before, like you know, dental always like uh, kind of a slow in the curve to adopt technology, and uh, um, I feel like COVID is definitely accelerated that that people have a mindset to like. You know, I want a virtual care. I, I don't want to necessarily go into the office to get that uh, kind of first touch. And uh, I think the, the mindset of like value-based care that's been kind of a very uh, advocated in the industry um, has really um, put us in the position to think about long-term health, right? Not just like fixing the problem right now, but like what can we do to make sure that we can like reduce the risk in the future. So that's where prevention early design comes in. Uh, and we feel like AI is really the, the pivotal kind of a force uh, to analyze, understand the data, uh, sometimes even better than a human expert to surface those signals so that we can take actions on it. Um, and there's a, is a large kind of a population um, in, in the US at least that are served by Medicaid, Medicare, uh, there are trillion dollars uh, spending right on, on these populations and they don't necessarily have the right care they deserve. So we feel like with, with technology AI, it really uh, has a potential to equalize, uh, you know, kind of a service for different type of people, right? So th that, you know, it, it's, I think we think it's a, it's the right timing to take on that task, take on that challenge, and uh, really bring some changes to the industry. Awesome. Uh, let's look under the hood. Talk about your technology stack and what kind of important choices did you have to make early on? Um, so our platform is cloud-based um, that, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to install anything. Uh, we we kind of developed a end-to-end uh, -end pipeline go through go from like x-rays raw x-ray data all the way to uh, diagnostic findings treatment recommendations and generating that personalized oral health report um, when we first started um, I remember that you know there are different types of images and data uh, we have to look into and uh, the first thing we, we, we said is that let's let's take on the radiographs because uh, unlike other healthcare domain, uh, dentists take radiographs almost like every day, right, all the time. That's a bread and butter thing. And uh, uh, it's important to focus on kind of being really good at detecting things on those fundamental data points. So um, we didn't do, you know, photos initially. We just focused on x-rays and get it really good. Um, and then we move on to other modalities. Um, the other thing I want to say is about how we look at data. Um, you know, a lot of the company uh, will tell you, hey, you need to collect as much data as possible. Uh, we agree with that, but also uh, we put a lot of effort to improve the quality of the labeling, right? So um, instead of just having people look at the image and label, we actually go to the clinical notes and the history of that treatment to really verify that there's actually a finding in the x-rays. 
So I think those those decisions serve as well by uh, building the most relevant system and uh, collecting the most kind of valuable data uh, instead of just going through the volumes. What are some of the key milestones that you've achieved along your journey uh, to this point? So we have launched our, uh, so we have completed the platform, first of all, uh, that does what I described before. Uh, during the during the development cycle in the past almost like two years, uh, we have touched over 3,000 patients in the office setting uh, used by a dentist. Uh, and we have scanned more than 15,000 x-rays uh, through the AI, surfaced a lot of cavities that otherwise will be missed. Um, so we, we launched our service, our screening service, only this March, so two months ago. And, uh, but we're growing at a double-digit rate in terms of how many people we screened. There's a, a very uh, clear interest and need on the market that uh, you know would, would have appreciate a scalable solution like this. Um, and also, we teamed up with several organizations, both private and public, like WeWork, YMCA, some nonprofit, to pilot our services. And uh, you know, very interestingly, people are giving us. Uh, very high uh, reviews, almost always five out of five, um, and we see like how impactful uh, this new experience is to them. So um, you know we're we're very excited about what's coming next. Awesome. Uh, well, speaking of that, can you talk about what's coming next? What's uh, what kind of exciting things um, are on your roadmap that you're working on, and uh, wh- where are you headed? Yeah, I think we have a pretty ambitious roadmap and uh, obviously it's targeting uh, both like short-term and long-term, but two things we're uh, generally focusing on. One is horizontally, how do we uh, scale the operations? So we're planning to uh, basically build a more robust clinical support team from uh, hygienist to dentist in the back end to uh, make sure that we can serve uh, more populations uh, as they come in. And on the vertical side, on the screening experience itself, on the product itself, um, we're really excited to build the connections between the dental and medical. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're planning to dive into some statistics or the data that uh, naturally disconnected, but to uh, identify, you know, how the dental condition or the dental um, profile would indicate your risk of developing certain medical conditions, right? And I think, you know, there's, there's no uh, clear answer to that. And uh, it's, it's a very, it could be a very ambiguous problems, uh, but the potential of being able to uh, identify these gaps and uh, uh, prompt people to take preventive actions are really, really kind of, uh, you know, exciting for us. Well, let's pivot and talk about the business. Uh, who are your primary customers exactly? Is it patients, dentists, or even insurers? And how do you build awareness among your customers? Yeah, um, our our primary customers are patients, right? So um, when we think about, obviously, the three stakeholders you just mentioned, uh, it always comes to us that patients should be at the center of the care. And right now, they're they're not, unfortunately, a, mo- a lot of the time. So we want to build an experience and service that really puts them to be the decision makers, the, the data owners, 
that can, uh, you know, feel control of their own health. Um, and uh, we build awareness by uh, working with other organizations that already have a robust customer base, right? So we're actually, uh, you know, kind of a B2B2C model that we look at, you know, where people live and work, uh, what are the communities they uh, kind of, you know, uh, interact with. And we go there, uh, we're trying to bring the service to them uh, so that they don't have to, um, they don't have to seek solutions and to kind of build the educational piece, awareness piece uh, by running these pilots and uh, getting people to talk about how different that experience is. Next, let's talk about your go-to-market strategy. I think we're 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 mostly just through partnerships, um, and uh, uh, you know, both from the, the the private market and the public market, uh, we're we're mainly focused on um, the private market right now, uh, working with employers, PEOs to position as a benefit to uh, companies that doesn't provide dental coverage or they have very limited coverage, or even when they have coverage, uh, these are not being leveraged um, as expected, right? People, if people don't go to a dental office, they, they kind of, you know, spend their money uh, with no outcomes. So we want to bridge that gap and uh, make it really easy for people to, uh, you know, do some preventative actions, take exams, uh, and uh, uh, you know, kind of, um, kind of grow from there to touch more uh, workforce, um, and uh, you know, building uh, distribution channels with organizations that have connection to providers or insurers. And what's the business model like? How do you make money? So we charge our service uh, kind of on the per person basis. So every time we do the service, uh, there's a price point on it. And um, uh, we make it really kind of affordable because of the technology we use, we can dramatically reduce the cost to have an on-site dentist and uh, the time that the dentist needs to um, allocate to review each person, right? So um, that's one side, more kind of direct to the, uh, to the patient. The other side is the referral. Um, once they screen, they are screened, uh, a lot of time, most of the time, people are asking, like, can you recommend me a dentist? So uh, naturally, you know, we want to carry them over through the whole care cycle. So we would uh, basically generate leads for dental providers. And um, we think it's a very high quality lead that people have been educated and they know, they are aware of the, the potential uh, needs they have to, to, to be treated. So we would have, you know, basically charge from the, the provider side. Well, let's move on to kind of bigger picture closing questions. Just to recap the interview so far, what's one thing about Kells that uh, makes you stand out from the crowd? So we are uh, naturally in the teledental space. If you uh, look at the market and the, most of the teledental companies right now are providing uh, virtual evaluation through photos. And uh, uh, we believe that, you know, photos are a great source of information, but it's very limited in terms of detecting early issues. And uh, we are the only uh, solutions that would bring uh, clinical quality evaluation directly to the patients. Um, 
that you know kind of uh, powered by technology that would level up the 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 results and outcomes of that process. Talk about some of the challenges as a founder that you have. What what kind of uh, challenges keep you up at night? Wow, uh, there's a lot. <laughs> um, well, I would say the, the probably the biggest one um, is really kind of thinking about how we can make things happen in the Lexi system, right? Uh, I think you know through our conversation with people it's kind of obvious that you will notice that people don't like changes even though they're advocating for it when you ask about hey we want to kind of shifting the operation model in this way versus the one you're using they're reluctant right and there are definitely you know more kind of a uh aggressive people and uh, they would be like you know we're, we're happy to pilot or we're happy to test but most of them like you know you know they think it's crazy like it's not going to work you know uh, you know uh, it's going to take a long time for people to understand that stuff like that so it's it's funny like people ask us like what's your competitors i always had this that mindset that our competitors is the old system right existing today that we, we try to change it. Um, so that's something, you know, always obviously articulate and expands to a lot of uh, more kind of concrete challenges about, hey, you know, having um, having conversations, having, you know, people to understand your pitch, um, what's the price point, how do you connect with the rest of the workflow, stuff like that. But uh, really, you know, when we think about um, the big picture, uh, those things are always in my mind and, uh, you know, obviously discussing with my partners and uh, working with uh, people outside uh, is not that intuitive. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is uh, definitely a great insight. I want to ask another founder kind of question. What's your what's your highest high and your lowest low as a founder to this point? And you said you've started multiple companies, so feel free to uh, use your, your entire uh, wealth of experience. I think the high time is always like when you have a very uh, creative and supportive team, right? I enjoy working with people smarter than me and always teach me about something I didn't know, I didn't think about. Uh, I feel like that is very satisfying. And the same thing when I, um, when I can support a uh, team, you know, in the way that they can uh, amplify their impact to create things that never existed before, uh, those are the kind of uh, uh, really the motivations for me to get up early every day and get excited about the future. Um, I mean, the low light, I think um, I learned is that uh, you always wanted your theory to be true, but a lot of times they're not. And you have to be able to say, okay, I'll take that and uh, I will be open to opinions and, uh, you know, kind of suggestions uh, that will make more sense, right? So we had a lot of occasions that we just think that's common sense, you know? Everyone should be able to understand that. It's not that hard, right? But when you talk to people, you just feel like their mind is in a different place. But that's totally reasonable. 
uh, it's not like they don't respect your work. It's just like they have their own context. They have their own scenarios and challenges. And we have to uh, be on their shoes and think about, you know, how do we make our product more relevant in their daily life? Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, these are just a few examples, but, uh, you know, kind of part of the journey is to adapt and uh, kind of learn about uh, what you didn't know before. So I think that's very rewarding. Okay, last question here. What's your long-term goal? You, you mentioned a little bit earlier some of the long-term vision, but could you paint a picture for me what the long-term goal is for the future of your, your company? Yeah, I think what Kels's mission is to improve oral health for everyone. Uh, and uh, you can do that um, by using an existing uh, approach to say, I want to hire more doctors. I want to, you know, kind of uh, uh, getting more fundings to support that. It's just not very scalable. And uh, so our, our goal is that by leveraging technology like AI and other things uh, and combining with, uh, you know, providers and, uh, you know, ex experts, uh, we can really improve the baseline of oral health for people that are coming from different backgrounds, whether they're, uh, you know, in, in a different kind of a location, whether they are, uh, you know, having different income levels, uh, have difficulties to access care. Um, we really want to see a world that, you know, people, um, people are equalized uh, when it comes to healthcare. Um, and, uh, and we want our house to be an entry point to the whole body health, right? We want to um, play as a kind of a, a voice in the industry to raise the awareness of having good oral health can actually uh, bring long-term health to your whole body. And, uh, uh, and we believe we can, we can do that uh, by working with other very innovative uh, partners in the industry. Um, and that, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really uh, rewarding uh, mission for all the team to work, uh, you know, tirelessly for. Yeah, certainly a worthwhile cause. Uh, so we're kind of at the end of the interview here. Uh, Jay, it's been great for the listener who has made it this far and is still on the line. Um, you know, what would you ask them to go do? Yeah, first of all, thank you for um, having me and uh, giving me an opportunity to share what we do. I uh, appreciate listening to this podcast. Uh, if you're interested in uh, more about what we do at Kels and want to follow our progress, uh, go to our website, uh, getkels.com. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to put more content into it as we grow. Um, we're, we're more active on LinkedIn when it comes to social, so follow us on LinkedIn. And, uh, of course, you can always reach out to me directly at jie at getkels.com. Awesome. All right, we're going to end the show there. If you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating. Uh, thank you, Jay, for joining the show today. We appreciate your time and your insights. Thanks for sharing. Thank you very much.